0: much time do you want for your progress?
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Clatter Chatter on Things That Matter, the podcast that is intellectually engaging, theologically reflecting, encouraging sociologically imagining ways in which we can live. Thank you for spending this short amount of time with us. We promise you that you will not regret a moment of it. Shout out to Trevor Smith and V.J. Herbert for commissioning this fantastic music to get our minds going on things eternal, positive, and fulfilling life's purposes.
0: Well, Dr.
1: Hayes. Here we are, this last day of the 11th month of this year, 2023, the eve of my double nickels birthday. It's hard to believe that I have orbited this sun nearly 55 times. Uh, Greet everybody, Dr. Hayes. Good day. It's a wonderful
0: day in the neighborhood. The sun is shining today and it's about 60 degrees over here in Nashville. Uh, So it's it's very, it's very comfortable and, uh, you know, it
1: kind of makes you feel better when things are copacetic. When all the stars are aligned in the planetary, ethereal, celestial realm, and then we get the reality of Earth, <laughs> where things are so out of sync, but we know who is El Shaddai, the one who created the universe that can, in a twinkling of an eye, can line things back up from this Mercury retrograde. I don't even know if that's what we're doing or not, but yeah, it's kind of whacked here on Earth, but I love it when things do sync up and... uh it's it's this it's a wonderful time of the year we have faith traditions that are celebrating holy days um we We just came off the heels of our fourth Thursday commemoration of a national thanks that would be the the uh holiday that that collectively we we give thanks as a as a nation and this month is also indigenous people's month that we remember. Uh, our native uh our allies and relatives. Uh, many of us are connected uh through this African diaspora. So Dr. Hayes it's um it's a lot going on. We've had the ceasefire. Well the pause in the fire the, the war between uh Gaza and Hamas and um and and then we have the Koch brothers supporting Nikki Haley, the Koch uh f- philanthropist philanthropic group political machinery is back in Nikki Haley I'm like okay uh, y'all better pay attention that's they're, interesting that's saying something that that's saying something and and from the natural eye we might say well um what what is God doing but then we think about it from ethereal realm um and, and we know that Nimrata um, is from India. Uh, and we got a vice president, Kamala Harris, whose mother was, uh, from South India. And so I'm like, okay, sisters, I see what y'all doing. People of color, people of color. I don't care how you fashion it. It's still a major thing, uh, to see a, a, a Republican operative with this big money. Cause the Koch brothers have historically funded conservative ideologies. And, and I'm saying it's, it means a lot. Um, they have, they have done a lot politically and, uh, to to lose that much money. And I just wonder when others, it's a, um, someone said yesterday, I think I was listening to the news and someone said, um, you know, uh, Liz Cheney has this book where she refers to this man as the orange Jesus. And that's kind of a. Uh, Interesting analogy. I I don't think I would. uh, I would call put my savior into that space. I I can't even go flip it with that. So that was profane to me in Jesus' name. (laughs) But um, would be offensive to quite a lot of people. Although
0: we understand the nuance, you know, uh, of how his followers worship him, and it doesn't matter what he does or says they, they hold that allegiance. Their faith is in him. So.
1: Well, I'm glad you cleaned it up, but um, yeah, I took exception to that little, uh, uh, that phraseology, but anyway, Dr. Hayes, how do you project 2024 is going to roll out? I'm a little excited about an even numbered year for some reason, even though it's tenuous with the with the voting rights stuff and uh, Arkansas and everything, but I'm looking forward to some even shit because these oddities need to go back to where it came from. Come on, Doc.
0: <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I, I think things, I believe that right thinking people in America will do the right thing. And that the outcome will be one Uh, that preserves um, our constitutional uh, standards and that in the years to come, there will be a corrective. There's a lot that needs to be straightened out. But for all intents and purposes, I don't see where, where the GOP is in sync with the vast majority of American citizens.
1: And that's the thing, the General Opposition Party. And, and you know, uh, Henry Kissinger passed away uh, a couple of, uh, yesterday, I believe, and he has a little shady past in some of the things, especially when it came to, you know, the Vietnam War, the Korean War, and some of those other things with his being an advisor and then uh, becoming the, um, the, the Department of State head head of the US State Department and then advising other um other presidents uh Republican and Democrat. I mean he had a heavy his heavy hand in a lot. And uh I believe that he was he was 15 years old when his family fled the Holocaust. And so he's he's an eyewitness. 15 years old, he's got the muscle memory of the atrocities. And and um you know he 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 was he was a politician. Who had an identity of whatever it meant to personify uh, or live out the atrocities, and I say all that to say because uh, I was even listening to Chuck schumer who who said some not so nice things the other day and and I know the hurt and the trauma that is there, and he talked about how how the Jews have stood with. Black and brown people in the various marches, and stood with the LGBTQ community, and, and have done a whole lot of things with w- women's rights, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, we not going there, are we? Are we really finna do this? And I said finna because I'm a southerner. We really gonna go there? This 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 divisiveness, and and why do we have to project? Something on a historical conflict that that has origins beyond our human capacity to understand, and I thought it was dangerous because he is the highest-ranking um, person who identifies within the Jewish tradition in um, in the in the in the executive or the uh, legislative branch, and I thought I can't believe he actually said that. Now, if black people had got up there, and I don't want to go there, but if we had got up there and said some stupid stuff like that, we'd be all over the place. Where we y'all when we had so-and-so, so-and-so? You know, we don't get to do that. That's a level of privilege that black people, no matter what, will ever get to do. I don't know. What do you think, Dr. Hayes? Well, I don't, probably don't need to voice what I think
0: but I think it's uh, it's a trait that uh, people in that group have and they tend they tend to be very touchy about um, what support they they are getting and what support they think they should get. And uh, I think there's a just to be honest, there's a little low, low-grade arrogance among Jewish people that, because of what they historically experienced, they should get, you know, extra pass. And so, I w- I would say he voiced what he felt, and maybe he should have. Have screened some of his comments uh, in the backdrop of what the ramifications would be. Um, But it is, you know, it's divisive, and nowadays people are just selfish. And they don't think about what effect their words and deeds will have on the greater population. They just say what they think. See that 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 has been a trend recently set. Just say what you think and say how you feel. Without any measuring of words, without any calculation of what the outcome might bring. And I think when you have a public uh pulpit, so to speak when you have to speak for a multiplicity of people that you ought to keep your remarks very trim and not say a whole lot more than you really need to say and your feelings really have no place in all of that but you should be a diplomat
1: Dr. Hayes (laughs) This is so funny because, oh gosh! Just this week in my ethics, in my humanities class, I had three things for the students to consider: opinions, facts, and gut instincts. And how do we, um, how do we discern when we are making decisions, when we speak, etc.? What is an opinion? And, I mean, the students went all the way in, you know, and what's facts? And then the feelings part. Well, are feelings facts? Are facts feelings? And, and the thing that I, I, and I told them, I said, one of the things that I find quite interesting in 2023, and I listen uh, for patterns of everything, it's almost to a fault. But here within, especially this year, and I'm not exactly sure when it started, but I recall when I was in my formative years, uh, as in, in in English classes, um, you know, my English teachers were always adamant about don't say feelings, say words like I believe, or you know, to be emphatic because feelings are emotive and and you want to stay objective and so in the English language you have to be really careful and so what i'm saying that to say within these last several months that i've really been honing in i've been listening to people talk about i feel like saying things like that i feel as if i feel we are i'm like don't nobody give a damn about your feelings i think we need to do Better word choices. Why not say "I believe" because that's more definitive? But when we get into our feelings, it is so subjective, and then we set up these things that would be divisive. Because now I'm in my feelings. It's like the song by Drake: "Drake, Kiki, Are You in Your Feelings?" You know that song, that that that, that rap song or whatever it is, the hip hop song. Uh, and, and i'm and i wonder uh, at, at what point do we revert back to not really understanding that feelings aren't necessarily facts but yet when we're in our feelings we believe that what we what how we are emoting is is a truth and so i said i asked the students i said have you ever woke up and said i felt black or white or straight or gay Or, you know, I don't know. I I ain't never woke up and said, I feel like a woman. I never woke up. But, but that doesn't negate those whose gender and, um, and, um, it's not lined up with their, with their biology and their gender expression. So they're feeling like, I feel like I'm a woman. Or I feel like, and so it becomes kind of complicated, right? That that I can't negate the folks who are non-binary because their feelings then are their facts. And so in that case, it becomes quite interesting. It goes like when I heard Rachel Dolezal said that she was transracial, that she felt like a black woman. She said she felt like a black woman. This is a white woman who was, who was black adjacent. And she said she felt black because of her hair. She felt, she, she felt black because she was getting her hair kinky permed. She felt black because she's raising two black boys. And so now she's transracial because she feels like she's a black person. I that don't make sense to me. But those yet, yet and still those are her feelings. And so we get a lot of people walking around with their touchy feelings. We we have this whole thing. And that's what we saw play out with Chuck Schumer. He was embedded in his feelings and and his gut instinct was saying one thing that was leading him down to this whole um divisiveness like somebody owed you something for doing this but brother you ain't the whole person. You you can't say all of the Jews did one thing because not everybody who's is Jewish is a it's a monolithic identity. Just like everybody who's is black is not like that. And so nobody owes you anything. It's like what you do to the least, you're gonna do it to everybody. So stand on the side of justice without any kind of expectations in return. I'm not doing this out of a deontological or duty bound ethic. I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do unto others. As you would want done to you. Um, so I don't know, doctor Hayes, have you been paying attention to these people and their feelings? Well,
0: it, you know, I hear it like you hear it. And, I, and, I, and it's very sad to me that we've lost so much of our objectivity on the public uh, platforms. That when you speak publicly, you have to take into consideration the totality of the population that you represent or the or the, the wholeness of the people who depend upon you to speak for them. Uh, I think that's the ethical dilemma is that you're not speaking for yourself. You're speaking for people who depend on you to speak for them. I would say I wasn't I wouldn't even say those people who have voted for you, but in public office, you are to represent the whole Mm -hmm. and to not allow your personal feelings, as legitimate as they may be, to enter into the equation when you are talking about or thinking about or making um, plans and passing laws that are going to affect people beyond those borders uh, of your own personal
1: experience, and that's why who is the president of any nation state should be so unbiased enough to understand that you're here representing the whole people, not just special interest but the whole the collective um and that, and I think that we have we have gone so far away. From the essence of democracy, the power of people coming together to make a difference for all, not just a few, and it it is it goes back to this: you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Um, I don't, I don't know. It, it's uh, we had a we had a we had a nexus, I believe.
0: Well, I think I think we we have lost the finesse. Pivoting from the political um, expressions against someone who may be seeking the same office that you're seeking and moving to that broader space where now you have to think about what will unite uh, a multicultural people. And your words ought to be chosen well to reflect your concern for the whole. Even though everybody has their own individual idiosyncrasies, their individual needs and preferences, ethics demands that you try to do what is just for everyone. And it, and it takes a mature person to work at that level. And I'm not saying, it's, it's not easy. But at least to work at that, at that level where your intention and your thought process is always about the whole as opposed to these individual groupings that have their own concerns and desires and complaints and try to think about okay how how is what I'm, the decision i'm making
1: going to affect the whole yeah it's um it's it's like um it's like the system of uh, our family or the institution of family that once you have this identity as a familiar person in this this socially constructed institution a family you understand the nuances of what that means that i'm not just myself anymore I have to be considerate of everybody. So I can't just wild out. I can't just, that's the mature people. You know, you got a whole bunch of people expecting you to be a mother or a father or a brother or a sister. And so with that comes great responsibility and intentionality. It's almost like I remember when um, I, I got my degree, I was doing my oral exams with Eden. And one of the professors I'll never forget. Her name was Doctor. Is Doctor Martha uh, Robinson? She said, "With a degree from Eden, it'll open up doors to lot. And I'm I'm paraphrasing it. And she says, "And we just don't bestow that degree on anybody because it's going to represent not only you, but your family, your denomination, and the institution." So I was like, that is multi-layered right there. That I'm thinking I'm just getting this, but by golly, I'm 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 representing everybody who deposited anything in me with the stamp of a of academic prowess from an institution that says they're proud of me of being an alma mater of this institution. I'm like, whoa, that's some deep stuff. When I got my ordination papers when when you get your head down and your knees take the authority and you are going to do this, that, and other, and almost breaking the neck, you realize that, you know what, that's some weighty stuff that I'm not only representing everybody who is, I'm part of, but this whole external connectional entity that I'm walking around saying I am, an African Methodist Episcopal itinerant elder. That's some heavy stuff. But even weightier than all of that is that when I have the unmitigated gall to say I am a follower of Jesus the Christ. Now all of these things mean a whole lot. But the penultimate expression when I occupy the space as a follower of his way, his truth and his life, that means that I have to walk circumspectly and be inclusive of all sentient beings and offer the love and the compassion and grace that is afforded me. I can't and then and then it becomes hypocrisy if I don't, if I don't consider what it means to love Jesus, to preach Christ in all of his offices. I know, Dr. Hayes, I think we're giving a lot of lip service.
0: Well, don't devalue lip service because we are in a proclamation position. And the things that we proclaim people take to heart it's a weighty thing that what your your words have weight and what you say transforms people's way of thinking and we see that at work in the reverse or in the negative but it's still a principle that once a person hears something a deposit has been made in their psyche and they have to deal with whether or not they're going to, number one, believe it whether they're going to consider it, (laughs) whether or not they're going to just outright reject it. But it it calls for decision making on the part of individuals. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to take seriously. That I'm, whatever I'm saying, I'm calling you to decide where you stand. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not calling you to something that is just and right, then I have done you an injury, I've done you a disservice. I'm awfully afraid that that we don't remind each other of that often enough, um, and and we because we don't get the reinforcement from our social constructs, if we don't if we don't get it from our religious spiritual leaders, then we we're left to hear all those voices that may or may not be speaking truth, that may or may not be seeking justice, that may or may not be telling the truth.
1: Whew, Dr. Hayes. So give us some give us some incremental steps before we end this podcast, on how we can speak truth to power with great integrity and empathy and love.
0: Well, that is the test, isn't it? And we have to, when we make our decisions, when we engage in any kind of decision-making process, we have to wait. Is it, is, is this just, is this right? Is this an expression of love and care and concern for the other? Is this going to help me maintain my integrity? Is this going to contribute to my being the kind of person that people can trust? Is this going to prove out that I do what I say and not just say what I think? And that's that's a process that all of us have to engage in if we want to be um worthwhile people, you know, it's a it's a critical thinking exercise. And far too many of us have abandoned the process. We just accept whatever comes, you know, our way. And my call today is don't accept everything you hear. I don't care where you hear it from. But weigh it and measure it. And ask yourself those questions. Is this true? Is this right? Is this just? So that your life. Will count for something. And that your your deeds and your words. Will not cause harm. To other people.
1: Sometimes we just have to end it there. I say an (laughs) amen. I'm good with it, Dr. Hayes. You've got me rendered speechless. Thank you.
0: Thank you. It
1: has been a privilege, a pleasure, and an honor to have you join in with us today. Remember that everything will be all right. Until we meet again, stay safe and well.